episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Derek. I am Cleto. And I'm Jade. So today I wanted to talk a little bit um, about continuous deployment, but I wanted to talk about it in a little bit different of a um, viewpoint, and that is, you know, as we seek is we see products like Facebook, like Twitter, um, where you can't really tell what version of Twitter are you running, what version of Facebook are you running, and you don't know when the last feature was deployed. You just hear people talking about the new Facebook or the new Twitter, um, and when is it going to show up for you? It's already shown up for me. What does that mean to what we would call right now project management? Are the concepts of projects starting to die? Is software deployment is happening so continuously that we can't really tell where something begins and something ends? And what does that mean to um, kind of agile processes and our how we think about projects as organizations? So I, th- I think I think some of the the trick here to what you're getting at is, you know, historically we treat products as projects. And I think that's really where we're seeing the shift is the Facebook product itself is not a project uh, in and of itself, right? The, the the Facebook project will never be complete, right? But I, th- I think there's people engaging in project-oriented work around that product. So there's some, there's some scope of work that has a beginning and an end, right? It needs to be measured and tracked throughout that work, but that project is just a means to an end. It's not the end goal itself, right? Finishing up implementing the new photo layout or photo uploader for Facebook, that's a project, but that's not the Facebook project itself. Yeah, I think that uh, any agile methodology to it seems like it would be pretty well adapted for this, um, where you know you have something that's out there, say, or even if you don't, but you know you're incrementally improving. Um, you know you're deploying something, you know getting feedback, um, incrementing on that, you know kind of inspecting, adapting. It seems like that would be really well suited for continuous deployment and not having the concept of well we have to get all these features in and then we can deploy and then we'll wait you know six months and then we'll start another project and then we'll deploy a year from there and you know that kind of deal it seems like it's really well suited for uh, any agile methodology yeah i mean i I think that we definitely went through a phase where you know the actual product shipping itself was the project and then i think we kind of narrowed it down to a new version of the product was a version it was a project and then we kind of went down to a minor release version um but now that we kind of have this ability to continuously deploy i i really i guess the the crux of what i'm getting at is um you know are we really looking at projects are almost features and are we really getting to the point where we're talking for the most part when we talk about projects in these type of environments are we really talking about the photo uploader um, you know, to the new version of the photo uploader is more of a project or even more minute than that. A, a little subset feature within the photo uploader is really um, kind of how I measured. And do we see people maybe leaning more towards uh, lean principles or Kanban or other things? Um, you know, what does release planning look like um, in this type of environment? Clayton and I are staring at each other. Uh, so, you know, I, th- I think, I think you're right. I think that, uh, you know, and I, and I said that earlier, I think that the, the, the feature itself, the photo uploader becomes the project that we need to manage, right? We need to look at the scope, look at what is the, you know, possible return on investment, 
uh, for adding this particular feature and we need to create a plan of implementation around that right um, you know as far as moving towards a lean methodology I think a lot of that's going to depend on the organization itself and how it handles uh, risk assessment and, and a lot of these you know things that are not not code related at all but really more about engaging in that feature right is it is it viable for us to try this or what is the minimum viable product that we can release around you know the minimum viable project that we can do for this particular feature to test it out and see how that goes I think you know whether you take a scrum or lean approach that's going to depend a lot on your team the personalities involved um, the the amount of unknowns that there are out there yeah, I think it's kind of interesting the idea of um, you know features as projects. I think one thing that's really powerful, um, you know, about Scrum and I guess like that concept of potentially shippable software. I think that's personally kind of a kind of too soft of a word. But um, if your you know your development team is able to treat every feature as if at the end of that feature, when it is done, you know, done is done, it's going to be you know shipped to production, and people are actually going to be using it. And I think that kind of changes the mindset when you're developing something that, you know, a lot of times people let things kind of get away and um, it's easy to be sloppy. But if you have this, you know, kind of feature or concept of when this feature is done, I'm deploying it to production and we're wrapping that up. And I think it's kind of interesting if you were to ask um, some people that maybe, you know, at the VP level of in terms of, you know, you have this project manager that is running this project. Um, they probably think, you know, okay, I need someone that is going to manage all these different things but on a feature by feature level if you said what if your development team was responsible enough and mature enough to manage themselves for a feature you know i think there probably are a lot of teams that could do that on a feature by feature basis and if you got to a point where you could do that pretty consistently it wouldn't be necessarily one person to manage this whole project but it would just be the team managing themselves from feature to feature so i guess the you know kind of segueing into where i really want to take the conversation <laughs> is, you know, we see all the time when we work with product owners um, who are not used to um, a high-performing team or not used to agile principles and methodologies that we find ourselves basically working so far ahead of where they're at that they have a hard time keeping up, that they, that they in essence, become the bottleneck um, to delivery of software because they are not able to work at the speed that the team is. And I, I really question... You know, as part of moving towards continuous deployment, are, are we really seeing pushback not from developers? Because I've really not met a whole lot of developers that don't like the concept of working on a feature-level basis and deploying really, really often. Um, sometimes you'll see some, but for the most part, at least you know, younger developers, I, I don't see this This is why, how part of how they're already wired because that's how they consume software. Um, but what challenges do organizations face? Um, you know, when you talk about a PMO office and having to plan out products, you know, potentially years in advance, um, are we going to get to a point where they're unable to compete with organizations that are embracing agile philosophy, not at a development level, but at an actual organizational cultural level where, you know, a CEO says, you know, I'm not worried about the 10-year plan. I'm worried about are you continuously adapting to what's happening in the marketplace? I think that's a really good question. I, I was talking to uh, a group of people, and they were they were talking about how they're uh, adopting Agile in in a very large enterprise, and how the biggest roadblock they had was that their risk management software couldn't calculate 
the potential financial risk based on doing it in an agile manner. Like they, they just didn't have a way to understand and represent that to the business of what, what is the potential financial outcome of this uh, thing. They could prove it from a return on investment that, yeah, this is a, this is a good product to build and we should invest in doing that. But the risk calculations, they just couldn't do because they couldn't plug in the, the made up project plan that, you know, most people have uh, to get them there. And so I, I think, I think that's going to be the next major roadblock is looking at the organization's ability to respond to change. Um, I think, you know, I think as, as software developers, we're really leading the way uh, for that type of mentality. And, you know, I think it's going to be a really difficult uh, transition for the business itself to make, you know, on an organizational level to be able to respond to change, to have that tight feedback loop, to have that transparency uh, with the rest of your team that, Maybe we don't know what we're doing right now. And, you know, maybe we, we're going to have to figure some of this out, but now it's readily apparent that, oh, we really, we don't know how to solve this problem, right? We're not the guys with all the answers. And I think, I think that's going to be really difficult. Yeah, there's probably a, definitely a lot of cruft um, in this, you know, kind of status quo, I think, with a lot of people and how they view the cycle, you know, life cycle of a project where, you know, there's some development and then there's testing, and there's QA and all this other stuff. And, you know, I think that, because that's the accepted, you know, that's kind of the norm for how things go. The idea of being able to say, you know, my team is going to develop this feature and we're going to quickly get it to market. I think that's kind of a foreign thing, partly because I would guess that a lot of people don't feel that their development team, they don't really trust the team to deliver something that is high quality the first go around. It's like, I think they've, people have been burned in the past. So they just assume that they have to go through all these layers. Whereas, you know, maybe if we can get some, um, you know, some teams that are focusing on, you know, code quality and, and some of the more, you know, kind of um, engineering uh, professionalism kind of stuff where you get a few wins and then it lowers all those barriers so that, you know, if you're working on those lower cycles, you don't necessarily have to have some huge risk plan for what happens in 10 months because, you know, it's not a 10 month thing anymore. But what happens when that's the way we've always done it, right? right. And there, there's entire departments of my organization that that's their job. Yeah, and I think that's that, that's kind of the hard pill to swallow. It seems like for a lot of places where, um, you know, to adopt some of these things, that means that you're going to have to make these big shifts and changes. And um, you know, obviously, it's very difficult for a company to restructure that many people or totally change their roles, or even if they're you know, not necessarily needed in their existing capacity. Right, and I think it's been easier for development teams to do that because they've done it in. in I don't want to say in isolation, but mostly in isolation, right? I can, I can reorganize us as a development team, but put on the, the corporate face to the rest of the company and still interface at the expected levels, right? I can still produce the right reports and all these things that the business needs to, to pacify them, um, you know, and, and then have this really great agile self-organizing team internally, but rolling that up to the organization, I, I think is really difficult. I think it's even difficult for software teams. I think that the we've seen software teams take the first crack at it because they didn't have a choice. And what I mean by that is tech, the rate of technology change is so fast um, that if you hadn't changed your technology in the last 20 years, you'd still be running COBOL in a mainframe. And so in order to just keep an organization running – I think teams have had to adopt new languages, new platforms. Um, some things stay the same. 
Um, but it's really to a point where they have to, they've had to deal with a large wholesale change on a regular basis. If you're a retail store, if you're Walgreens, um, you know, if you're Walmart, what have been the significant changes um, in how you do business short of adding some technology that has really changed? And I think that we're getting to a point, you know, you've, you know in, in that space, if we looked at, say, Zappos um, or other Amazon, you know, those are the real risks to the retail business, not other retail business for the most part. And, you know, at what point are we going to get to the, to where 90 percent of business is technology driven that it's changing on a, a pace so quick that if you do not change your organization to be adaptive, that the new guy will put you out of business on a much more regular basis. I mean, I, I think the the web, right, was the first kind of shot over the bow of this type of culture that you're talking about, right, where a competitor can crop up overnight and completely destroy you in, in no time, and you haven't even had a chance to react to that. And I think we've seen that accelerate, especially uh, for web-based businesses competing with each other, right? I. Uh, I could be MySpace, right? And I'm king of the world. And six months later, nobody even knows who I am. Uh, and so I think <clears throat> I think we're seeing that kind of change in those businesses because it's it's survival of the fittest. Uh, you know, if you go down to more traditional organizations, they're not they're not suffering at that level yet. And I, I think you know some of the economic downturn is some of the first indicators of things have to change. Right. Things have to change with how we run our businesses, but that that pain threshold still isn't there. Right. They're still holding out hope that we just got to suffer through this and things will get back to normal. And I think it's going to take something that completely changes the game for for a lot of these people, for them to be willing to endure the pain of making that type of organizational change. Yeah. You know, I think you look at some of the like banking, for instance, um, I think pretty much every single online bank I've ever seen has been, you know, pretty much terrible. Even the, the best one is still pretty bad. Um, it's only going to take, you know, it seems like, you know, one, there's gotta be one player in, in these, you know, markets where they, they can use the technology to kind of what you're saying, Derek, to, to, you know, um, pivot enough so that I think, you know, mentioned the younger crowd, you know, as people are, you know, my age, younger, whatever, that are getting into a point where they consume certain services in a way and they want to be able to use everything that way. Um, you know, finding the, the companies that are going to be able to to make that organizational shift so that they can take advantage of all these things, which, you know, I, I don't think are especially difficult. They just, it's organizationally difficult, but not technologically difficult. Uh, the people that can do that, I think, are going to have a huge impact. With that, I think we're about out of time, even though Clayto uh, worked in a pitch for Simple Bank and Square <laughs> there. Um, so those following along at home, those are a couple of startups you might want to take a look at that might be replacing your bank in the near future. Um, with that, we'll see you next time.